This is the Can Crushers Wrestling Podcast. The following contest is scheduled for one fall. Let's go nuts! It's Jimmy Nuts! Five out of the door! With your host, Mark Martinez. Because I'm the Mark. And I'm awesome! The Guru. Today I'm going to break it down for all you simpleton sweat hogs listening out there in Can Crusher Nation. I don't mean to come out here week after week and toot my own horn, but toot, toot. And the English Professor. It is I, the English Professor from the County of Kings, speaking the English of the Queen. Hey, this is former WWE superstar Duke, the Dumpster Drossy, and you are listening to the Can Crushers Podcast. And welcome to Can Crusher Spotlight. I am your host, Mark Martinez, sitting with me in studio this week, and I don't know how you were not jittered about this, is the glorious guru, Chad Piranha. Chad, what are we going to do? Oh my God. This week we had an earlier one. Well, essentially on the podcast, it's a couple weeks ago. It, that will uh, has not been disclosed yet, and this one is... Uh, this one is even bigger. This one, this one has the potential to be off, off the charts. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, Chad. This one, they can see by the thumbnail who it is, but holy moly, this guy is part of our favorite tag team of all time. Um, Chad, uh, John could still be naming tag teams if you guys listen to the weekly show, but nobody takes the cake. Then the Rock and Roll Express for us, and we have Ricky Morton coming on the show. Yeah, this is you know it's it's a thing to meet him and everything like that. But this is going to be within reason because we're not that show. But this is going to be uh, kind of a, no, a lot gloves of off, show. yeah, gloves off interview. Yeah, um, and he's ready. So we might we might need to uh, I don't know at some point have a uh, warning. Uh, depending on how this show goes. I'm sure we'll have to tag this as explicit. I'm sure that it will be tagged as explicit, and it's okay. Uh, if you guys have seen any of the shoots on YouTube or like that with Ricky, he's very open. He'll come out and tell you the bear shit's in the wood. Yeah, yeah. He has no problem with telling the truth about anybody. So let's take, a, take care of our business that we have real quick with Al Snow and Collar and Elbow. Call Ricky and get him on the line because I, I'm just jonesing. I really am. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get this done. And, you know, Al's probably ready for his mid morning nap. So we need to get his uh, business done so he can go to sleep. Go to sleep again. Collar and elbow hats, hoodies, tees, all the wrestling apparel that you guys want. Uh, we're going to keep it short. We have a promo code. It's Can Crushers. All one word. Capital C and Can. Capital C and Crushers. You save 10%. Al's here to tell you about more. When we come back, Ricky Morton is joining us on Can Crushers. Wrestling. A love and a passion we all share. I've started a wrestling brand. The wrestling brand. A brand founded on the aspects of wrestling. Two entities working together to create a product that connect emotionally 
for people everywhere. Collar and Elbow is the brand. Passion and love for wrestling is the drive. I am Al Snow, and this is Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. And welcome back to Can Crushers Wrestling Podcast, Chad multi-time tag team champions uh we we could go over the list and we will but the number one thing is we have half of our all-time favorite tag team on can crushers right now welcome to can crushers mr richie richard morton should i call him the york foundation one or should i say ricky morton i I would say he's probably going to want you to say (laughs) ricky morton or he's going to not Richard Morton from no. the York Foundation? No. Ricky, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing great. But let me tell you, buddy, over the course of the years I've been in this business, I've been called a lot worse. Promise you that. <laughs> right. Especially being home here with my wife. But, uh, uh, no, you know, uh, my uh, my real name is Ricky Morton. Right. R-I-C-K-E-Y. No Richard's got to do nothing with it. That was just a little fix-up we had with the York Foundation. So, uh so how many interviews? How many interviews you actually start with the, the York Foundation? Not many. That's how weird we are here. Not many. Uh, not many at all. Uh, you know what? I had a I had a great time being that part of the York Foundation. You know, it was at a point in time where they were changing. They were bringing corporate people into WCW. Uh, people that didn't know whether to wind their butt or scratch their water about our wrestling business. Uh, and, and and putting them up there. But and if you guys noticed, the last time I was on AEW and they power drive me, uh, I had a original York Foundation shirt on that night from back in the early uh, early 90s. I did notice. We did, we did notice that. that. That's how much... Ricky, we've uh, you know we've watched you from mid south, and then when we could get a hold of you know earlier tapes of you and that, uh, we've always tracked yeah. your career. I mean, it's you know we're not trying to blow smoke up your butt or anything like that. You are the reason that we loved wrestling. You and Robert Gibson are the reason that we started loving wrestling and still at 48 and 46 years old, travel as much as we can to see wrestling. Yeah. Man, you know, that's, uh, let me get a little sentimental here. It's one of the greatest compliments that a person can ever hear in uh, in my wrestling business. So uh, I wanted to tell you guys, thank you very much. But you see, uh, my business, I still love it. Uh, I enjoy my business that I've been in now. I know you heard this same thing. If, if you enjoy what you do, you never work a day in your life. Well, that's a bunch of bull crap. Uh, everybody has his own <laughs> But no, I, I love professional wrestling, dude. I love being a part of it. You know, one thing about me, I'm 64 years old. I'm still in the ring every now and then, uh, especially now with my son. But, but, but I love the business. Uh, even at my school, you, you know, you can't train like it's 1985 no more. You know, where it's 2001 and you gotta, 
bring these younger people up. And, and the hardest thing there is to do is, is to make these younger guys understand what our business is about. And, and I'm going to you and I'm going to say that it's not about a Hurricane Koran. It's not about a Canadian destroyer. It's about none of that. It's about learning and understanding our business. And when you do that, that's when you absolutely fall in love with this business that words couldn't even begin to say what I really feel. Ricky, with you, you just mentioning, you know, you can't train like you did back in, you know, in the mid-80s. Is that a good thing? Bad thing? Um, I mean, is it, how, how do you look at wrestling today versus when you were breaking in, when you, you know, were at the height of your career in the NWA as champions and that? How do you look at wrestling versus then? Well, it's glad you asked me that because I'm sitting here. And, you know, and I told you earlier when you asked me a question, I like for it that, you know, when you answer questions like this without rehearsing, you, you really talk from your heart and you try to understand. Uh, Earlier in my business, our business was a real sacred business, but you've got to see as, as the years go on, technology, you know, uh, you can give a finish right now in a in a person in California would know it before I told the guy six feet down from me. That's, you know, that's uh, technology. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Our day, we didn't have that. Our day, which I like for the boys anyway, because all through, and I, and I get to this in a minute. Uh, always stood up for the boys because in our time we didn't have, and which is really great for now is all these wrestlers have guaranteed money. Uh, they have contract money. Some of them are, some of them are more where they make more in one year. And I made 46 years in this business and, 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 I, and I'm being truthful, but see, that's good for them. That's good for the boys, but it, but training and breaking into our business, it seems like now that everybody I meet is a professional wrestler. You know, they work independent. They do this right here. They want to do this. And uh, and they really – and it's hard. I, I don't like to talk, say, because you know, things slip out every now and then. I don't want to – but, you know, everybody you meet thinks they know everything about our business and basically they don't know nothing. That's my whole, whole part about this business. Uh, nine out of ten times, 1985, you know, we were going when Dusty was Booker Bill Watts and all that. You didn't even get your finish. And do you understand what I mean by finish of the match? Yeah. Yes, sir. You, okay. You didn't even, you didn't even get your finish until you got in the ring. And the referee told you, you know, whoever was Ronnie West or Tommy Young or whoever we were with, uh, and they didn't tell you what you're doing. They just told you who was going over and who was going under, and that was it. Uh, how many times I stepped in the ring with Flair, and you better be prepared, uh, that, you know, Tommy Young go, y'all going down Broadway. <laughs> okay. Uh, that wasn't stuff that was just set up. And, and, and Rick, even if you didn't go, 60 minutes 
you went 58. I gotta say that for him. <laughs> you know, and, and in my hat's off to him, but I'm not jumping from limb to limb. Our business is a whole different thing from 85 to now. Different people, different things. Our, our business was so sacred. Uh, and our business could be a lot better again. Uh, as to me, because if you watch TV today, and, and I love watching because I love to get to know the wrestlers and understand who they are, what their names are, and when you meet them, uh, that's something uh, because they know me and uh, I want to know them. But but see, without people knowing stuff, you know, a wrestler could be back there again. You watch WWE, hell, half the people on there look dislike. You have to look twice to figure out which one's who. And, and I'm serious. Yeah. Uh, you don't have no more of the, of the, you know, of the, of the good wrestlers, that, especially your heels, that know how to get heat. Uh, you know, I told a guy the night I was wrestling, and I watched him wrestle before. And, and I told him, you know, this is, he told me, he says, uh, when I go to the ring, some of the people might cheer for me. And I looked at him. I said, they're going to cheer for you because you want them to. <laughs> okay. You don't know how to be a heel. And uh, that's a lot, uh, an art that is lost. So that's a part I like to get back I- into these bigger companies is teach these guys. You know, it's like me. And, and you think real life. Look at what's real life. What's WWE? I mean, the guy be on a mat in the head, kick him 47 times in the head. Okay, now you stop. From my age, when I was selling, I could sell one kick to the head better than I can 47. And it's all, you know, it's, it's, see, that's what's taken away from the realistic of our business. You know, if I kick you 47 times in your head, you're going to be dead. Really? Yeah. I would imagine. You see what I'm saying? It's little things like that that they have took away from our business, and that's why people, unless you just have your, you know, your turnover ratio for fans, I mean, you don't give them nothing to turn over, nothing that really interests them in what to see. No real, real personal issues on angles because they don't know how to do it no more. And sometimes you have to go into real personal things in people's business to really do an angle. They're going to have to go back to that to get the attention of the people. Hey, and I have just the idea for it. <laughs> but uh, but that, that's, that's what I, the way I look at it. Our business is, yeah, it changes, and you're going to have to accept change. You know, uh, in our day, you work the left arm. Now, they work your right little toe, you know, but you got to be prepared to know how to do it. Uh, it's a whole different ball game. Uh, and if you don't, and if you don't go with the flow, that's why I'm 64 years old and still involved in the wrestling business because I accept that. And it's nothing that I could ever do to make it come back that, but I can, I know I can do things to get the people's attention back to watching our TV more. That's a great place to leave me for one of my questions. It was going to be down the line, but I'll bring it right now. Um, Flair yeah. said that wrestlers in you guys' day could do some of the crazy stunts that they're doing now. Uh, he said Steamboat. Uh, we've seen you at WrestleCade 2019 and at AEW do a Canadian Destroyer. Um, 
do you agree that Steamboat could have done some of these? Anybody else, um, hint, hint, that could have been just as crazy doing these stunts back then? Um, and, and do you kind of, like, agree? Well, you could have. But why? Because you, like I'm getting back to you, it's personal angles. Right. Uh, personal issues. You know, when, uh, you know, you can work a high spot into your match, but you don't work 20 of them uh, into it. You know, I swear to God, a lot of times you watch wrestling like watching the circuits. You know, you're looking for the, you know, the people swinging. And, we say uh, the same thing. Doing the trapeze acts and stuff. And, and then you could tell. So listen to me now. You could tell when they're fixing to do something real big because all of a sudden there's 20 guys out by the ring to catch them. You see, we don't need to do that. Uh, yes, I can do a lot of things. Back then I could do. You know, man, I, you know, my big deal back then was the Hurricane Corona. But when I did it, I did it when it was the right time. It wasn't called that then. It was called a front head scissors. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, and we didn't set them up in the back. Do you notice in wrestling today, yeah. it's like, uh, it's like a play-by-play match. It's you know, it's like a quarterback having the having the plays on his arm when he goes out. You see him read his arm. It's like they're reading their arm. All right, hot spot number one, hot spot number two, hot spot number three, and nobody takes the time to really to really uh, to sell. You know, it's what makes a great babyface. And and I say this about it that you have some of the guys in our business that wasn't the greatest 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 workers of all time. Uh, but don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that, you know, Hulk, like, take for instance Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan was a good big guy. He was great. But he wasn't your best, best workers in the world. But one thing that he did absolutely phenomenal was he sewed. Yeah. That was his whole match. And if you understand that, they got, he sewed to rip his shirt off or whatever he's going to do or to make that big comeback. You see, that's gone. And uh, that's why you don't have the big pops like you do now. But it's still there. You just gotta, you just gotta know how to introduce it back into our business and to get it there. And, uh, that's where Ricky Morton comes in. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) When do you think that left the business? where the selling and the storylines, everything that would actually pull you in and be fully invested in wrestling. Um, when do you think that left to what you said it and we say it every week, the, the circus show is there? No, it, it, it left when, the, when they started signing contracts. Uh, everybody thought that, uh, you know, if, if you sold, it's going to show you weak, your weakness. Everybody's trying to get a bigger contract than somebody else. Uh, a lot of guys you got now came from Japan, which Japan's a whole different wrestling style over there. And, and a lot of the, the guys, you know, if you sell, you show a sign of weakness. Uh, but that's how I got over in Japan, you know, and, and I did by selling. Uh, the con- I think the contracts uh, and see, you know, what I was telling you earlier, you know, I always stood up for the boys. You see, because in our days, we we didn't get paid by contracts. You got paid by how many asses were in the seats. And uh, and I always remember this. The promoter got the first count. So 
we depended on each other. You know, uh, to me, when I went to wrestle, uh, when I was doing a, a, a show in a, that night, well, see, I'm already there. The people are already in that door. Now, what can I do to make these people come back and see me next week? It's, and then, guys, I'm going to tell you the difference. in the We sold out arenas every week. And it's not there patting myself on the back. It took everybody to do that. We had a bunch of great matches on the show, and we gave people to do, but every one of them told a story to come back next week. Uh, you, you know, it's like me. Uh, you know, I've been nine-time world tag team champions. I, I was an NWA world heavyweight champion, but nobody knew about it. That's uh, a whole different thing. I was a world junior heavyweight champion, NWA. But you see, I really didn't want to be none of those because in my day, the people paid to see me win. They didn't pay to see me lose. Okay. Yeah. And I wrestle a heel and for a week he would screw me. And then we'd come back with a match next week where he can't screw me that way, but he'll find, he'll screw me another way. Do you understand yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And that gave the excitement of our business for you to come back to. And then when a heel had his heat, he knew how to keep it. Uh, nowadays, and, and, and don't get me wrong, I mean, sometimes you have to kayfabe. You know, you can't, I couldn't wrestle the Midnight Express and be by and be sitting in the bar next to him at the wall or in a restaurant eating together. Uh, you give, I mean, and I, don't get me wrong. I know that's probably all that part is gone, but still you got to go with our business and, and, and to make the people, uh, you know, like every match I was telling you earlier, you know, that, that is, you know, every move. See, and, and, I, and I told you this earlier, like in, in your interviews, you watch the interviews on TV, none of them are really an even good because they don't have one person talking from their heart. You know, they're talking, somebody else is doing your interview. You're not doing it. Uh, somebody else is doing your match. You're not doing it. They're putting it all together in the back. And the guys got to learn, you, you know, these big corporate companies are going to have to learn how to turn some of these guys loose to give them their things. Because there's a lot of moves I used to do. But I, I work them into a match or I sewed the whole match. You know, I mean, nowadays, I mean, you, you can shoot a guy of a rocket, of a cannon, all the way from one end of the building to the middle of the ring. And then they cover him. He's going to kick out on one and a half. Yep. <laughs> uh, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. There's nothing that's telling a story or reality. It's not, you know, it's not being, it's not, it's not real. And you can see through it like everything in the world. Even though we, I know we're in entertainment business. Even though I know that. But if you keep it real on TV and you keep it real, around the people start watching it more the the one thing ricky i always thought and again i'm just a lifelong fan i think since i was four years old i started watching wrestling with my mom and dad uh the yeah, one where are you from, bud? uh rich a little town in pennsylvania ridgeway pennsylvania 
You wrestled in St. Mary's, Pennsylvania in 1987, I believe. Against... I wrestled all over Pennsylvania, and I yeah. still do. When they open back up, I'll be back. You know, I'm in Altoona. I'm in a lot of places up right. to there. We're about an I, hour uh, and a half from yes, Altoona. I do seminars, and uh, but go ahead. I'm, I was going to say something that I always thought has led to the, I, I want to say, the the lack of storytelling and being able to, you know, have a good match flowing together is the the destruction of the territories being that okay you know you'd travel from place to place you'd have your your bill watts or your fritz von eric or you know your chic if you were up in the minnesota area yeah i got you look you would have all those territories and to be successful you had to be able to adapt to what the fans and what they wanted to see now it's just kind of you know wwe it's just cookie cutter well, if it don't work today, it's, it, it, they do. If it don't work tonight, they throw it away. Uh, but but basically, now I'm, I'm going to get back to what you're just saying. Where you where you did have your territories. Uh, see, this is one thing that I didn't like. And, see, in our business, has been at the right place at the right time. Uh, Robert and I were lucky to do that a bunch of times: Louisiana, Memphis, and uh, and uh, North Carolina for. Jimmy Crockett. But the one thing that you got to understand about territories is usually they're either owned by the top baby face or they're owned by the top heel. Uh, when you went into a territory, you usually knew what you were going to do, but that was just it. It's what you made a living. But everything was based around the owner. And that's, that's when, you know, that's when you had all your heat. Your, your big time heat because you know you have a baby face that comes that will come in and get over better than the baby face that owns it but all he would do is build you for another top hill to beat you for him to wrestle in do you understand what I'm saying yep. yes uh, okay that was the whole thing of territories I hated territories like that uh, I like territories where the owners didn't work uh, and that and the booker didn't work because and 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 and, and I'm going to get into a whole thing here, and it wasn't all the times where the booker pushed himself. See, I had one of the greatest relationships ever with Dusty Rhodes. Okay, Dusty was was one of the best minds I ever seen in this business, and it wasn't a part about Dusty pushing himself. It was the part about Dusty that he knew what he wanted in his mind. And then you look at the baby faces in your territory and which one of them are capable of doing exactly what you wanted. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, I used to go by the office. Me and Dusty. You know, don't get me wrong. Me and Dusty had a lot of FU fights. Uh, but I respected him and he knew that. Uh, matter of fact, he, uh, I did an interview with his granddaughter not long ago, Dustin's, uh, daughter and Terry. And, uh, and she told me that she asked Dusty, 
who was the greatest baby face ever in the business, and he told he told her me, he said, Ricky Morton's the greatest ever was. But it wasn't the part about that. It's that the part that, that I understood what he wanted. And see, the guys that they are not understanding what they want, they're wanting to do they're wanting to do that plus do a dive over the top rope or a gainer. But that, that makes no sense. You see what I'm saying? Yep. That's the reason, you know, your territories I didn't like. Because, I mean, if you went in, I mean, and see, it'd be at the right place at the right time. When Robert and I went into Louisiana, Bill Watts, you know, the top babyface when we got there, and I want you to stop and imagine this, was Abdullah the Butcher. That's wow. crazy. Abdullah the Butcher, the top babyface, because Bill Watts just finished his angle with it. All the guys were big like that. Grit big guys. You know, when I walked in there, I felt like little beaver when I walked in that bad boy in that territory because everybody was so big. But the reason Abdullah was a top babyface is Bill Watts just finished his angle with Abdullah. And he turned Abdullah babyface for Abdullah to put over the next heel coming in for Bill Watts to work with. Do you see what I'm saying? Yep. You're getting my. You're on the same path with me here. Okay. We, we yes, really sir. are. Yeah. That's what was bad about our territories? But when we got there, Bill Watts was ready to retire, and he brought Bill Dundee uh, in to be the Booker, and he wouldn't let Bill wrestle. <laughs> he was just a Booker, and a uh, smart thing. Uh, that's the reason North Carolina would do good for a while because they would bring in, you know, before Dusty came in, they'd bring in Wahoo that, to be the booker. They bring in Dory Funk to be the booker. They bring in the Briscoes to be the booker. But you see, I mean, what are you doing any different? But see, when Dusty came in, he brought in a variety of people that, uh, you know, it's just like, have you, have you, when the first day that we came in and won the world titles, I posted not long ago, uh, the victory row, the victory row that was heard around the world. Uh, you see, all that was called in the ring. I don't know if you know that or not. You hear me? Yes. yes. Yeah. I, we didn't know it was called in the ring. Wow. Yes. Uh, it, it, it came dusty. Told me something to do something fabulous at the finish. And, uh, that's what wound up. And it's hard to explain that to you. I mean, we didn't, you didn't, you, you're not in the same dressing room. Bobby Eaton's one of my best friends in the world, but I never seen him until I got in the ring with him. You, I mean, at, at the arenas, they dressed on one side of the building. We're on the other side of the building. You gave fame. You talked to him. You got fired. Yeah. But getting back to what, you know, Dusty, I could un- I understood what he wanted. If you notice, go back and watch all the ankles. They scraped my face. They broke my nose. They did my shoulder. They, you know, Jimmy Cornette hit me in the throat with the tennis racket. You see, because I understood what Dusty was going to with this, and I knew how to get, how to tell that story week after week after week. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not taking away from Robert Gibson. Rock and Roll Express was made on me and Robert Gibson. But but you have to under now now getting to the point of understanding our business, and that's one of the things that has been lost. Lost. I'm trying to teach my son that. 
you know, I tell my son the same thing. My dad, my daddy was rough. My son's a third generation. I was second generation. Uh, when we started this off, he told me, he said, listen to, I'm going to explain things to you that you're not going to have a damn clue what I'm talking about. I'd be better off talking to that wall because he'd understand it better. The wall would. <laughs> uh, and I did this a lot. You know, I did the same thing. David Cash, Chase Owens. Uh, and I was trying to tell him, I says, what I'm trying to tell you right now is you're, it's just going to hit you one day. Any of you guys play music? Yeah, for sure. Okay, you remember when you first started and all of a sudden it, 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 your uh, your bars started going together, your notes started going together. And then it, it you see what I'm saying? It was understanding yes. how to play the music. One step at a time. Like that in wrestling. Yeah. Yes, it's like that in wrestling. But no, but you still don't. What I'm trying to say is, do you guys remember Kid Cash that was in WWE? Yes. Okay, he was one of my guys, and I, you know, and, I, and he got he wouldn't go with me no more because I'd get on to him, and he, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. And then he went to WWE, and it was like four o'clock in the morning. Time he called me, four o'clock in the morning. Uh, <clears throat> Ricky, what are you doing? Well, I'm glad I hear by the pool getting some sun. What are you doing, David? Four o'clock in the morning. What do you think I'm doing? <laughs> <laughs> but that's what he called to tell me. He said I had I couldn't go to sleep tonight. I said that so much on my mind. Something happened to me in the ring tonight, <clears throat> and everything that you tried to tell me it hit me at, at one time in the ring. Uh, he says, God, I, I thought I knew everything, boy, I didn't. Did I? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes. And, yeah. Uh, that's what's lost in our business. Uh, a lot of times you throw guys in positions they don't need to be in. Uh, sometimes you have a lot more chiefs than you do Indians uh, instead of working together. Uh, big major company, what's wrong with it? You know, too many people walk on crackers. Uh, you know what I'm saying? You don't, you don't need that. Our business is, uh, uh, you know, I can't go by. Well, Vince won't. Vince, Vince said this. Well, I don't give a shit. Vince. You know, Vince has got billions of dollars. Okay. Vince can say whatever he wants to, but this is a, a business that we all got to work together with. And uh, yeah. that's just the way I feel. But go ahead. Ricky, you ju- you brought up uh, some of your time in Mid-South and then your first NWA match. What was what was your feelings coming from the, the Mid-South feud with Ted DiBiase and Steve Williams and then coming straight into the spotlight, you know, for the NWA tag title. Well, you know, when you're on top looking at territory in Louisiana, you know, and and then all of a sudden you're offered this spot to be on nationwide TV, uh, you know, it's it's always there. And and it it was really mind-blowing. To go, in, you know, and and I gotta say this, you know, Dusty was really, you know, at that time because he knew we were going nationwide, worldwide, really. Is to come in and, and to watch what he done. You see, because all your wrestlers have been 
six foot seven, 500 pounds. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, then all of a sudden, because years ago, you never got a, you never got a break in our business until your friend became a booker. <laughs> you hear me? And then mm-hmm. most of the time, your friends wasn't bookers till you got like 40 years old because everybody wrestled till they were 70. Uh, they, that's just the way it was. Uh, but to, uh, come in and the same thing, I, I come into Charlotte because we still work in Louisiana. We had to give a two week notice and which was great because at that time, you know, you had bicycle tapes. Do you understand what I mean by bicycle tapes? That one we don't know. Uh, okay. Bicycle tape. You know, when you do TV, you know, you, your tape goes on a bicycle. It, you know, it showed this, this Sunday or Saturday in Charlotte. But the next week it'll show that same tape will show in Richmond next week. And then the next, and oh, it went around okay. the whole territory. You understand what I'm saying? Yep. Now I got gotcha. you. Know, keep yourself up with TV than when you went with these towns because some of them were four weeks behind, but you didn't have, you know, the, see, that's another thing, a bad, you didn't have, you know, all the social media. Right. That you have today. Hell, you didn't even have a cellular phone. No. So, but, but when you went in there and Dusty told his story out, here we are. And you had Ivan, Nikita, and Crusher Khrushchev. And at that time, Nikita was greater than Al Dudu. You know, he just breaking into the business and God was he stiff. Uh, but, but Barry and Ivan, you know, if you watch it, you know, that's a TV show. And see, what was so cool is because I went to the office and that was on a Sunday. I mean, on a Monday and me and Dusty talked and he told me, he said, son, I never do this, but I'm going to give you the ball. I've watched you. I listened to I've watched you. I watched your stuff in Louisiana. He says, and, and this is great. He said, you're one in a million. Let me hope that you can do this. If as long as you carry the ball, you got it. Uh, so, uh, you know, I sat there and thought, now, here, here we go now. At that time in 85, 85, you know, always we, the United States had trouble with Russia. Uh, here's Ivan Nikita on TV <laughs> and Barry Dorso. They got more heat uh, than the Iowa stove. I mean, brother, I mean, they was on there talking, putting down America all oh, this bull crap, and here all of a sudden these two young rock and roll stars show up. But they showed videos about three weeks of us before we come in. And and and, and stop to think about this. And don't get me wrong, everybody did your thing, but when they but when you go to get there when you first come in there and you go into these arenas hello hello yes did you cut me off no no we're, no we're here somebody knocked it somebody knocked at his door <laughs> okay i'm just kidding but but to get back to what i was saying he told a story so much and he made me understand what he what he wanted now, before that, Ivan and Barry and Nikita beat everybody 
in the territory. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. Everybody that was tag teams, even Dusty and Magnum, they beat them, getting them ready for us because they showed videos of us. And then we come into Shelby, North Carolina to win the belts. And I promise you that place was jammed to the rafters, but there was more people outside than there was inside. And that's when Crockett started going to the bigger buildings. And then we started, you know, uh, selling them out. I mean, it was the damnedest thing you ever seen. It was a great time to be in our business. Uh, you know, I was going to wrestle Flair in Charlotte. Where after Flair rubbed my face and yep, in the in the floor. But in five minutes, when tickets went on sale, the Charlotte Coliseum sold out. Now listen to me, fella. It held like ten or eleven thousand people, which is a lot of people for wrestling. Uh, but we went out. He went outside to the football stadium, a college football stadium right downtown Charlotte. Had 40,000 people there. Uh, 40,000 people come to see that match that night. Now, it wasn't a part that, oh, Ricky Morton was so great or Ricky Flair was so great. It was the stories that we told to get there to make it great and make the people believe and had their interest. And Flair, you know, and if I, if I didn't do an hour with Flair, you know, we went 59 minutes. I'm trying to, uh, you know, I'm, I know I'm like a squirrel jumping from limb to limb, but I'm trying to make make you understand how our business worked then. Okay. No, we're we're, we're jumping with you limb to limb because I I we love it. We understand you what know, you're saying. And, and I'm telling you, it was a whole. It was just a new era of our wrestling business. You know, in Louisiana, that was where Elvis Presley. You know, we broke every attendance record Elvis Presley ever had. Wow. In, in Louisiana, Mississippi. Uh, because, you know, and hey, I have a new t-shirt coming out and I hope you guys, it's cool. It's called Hanging from the Raptors. Ooh. And, and where I got that from, you know, people ask me, how was the show? I said, man, it was Hanging from the Raptors. And it was because then you wrestled in old buildings. You didn't have the, you know, they had the big steel rails that went across yep. the top of the buildings and stuff. Uh, they didn't have the far codes. They didn't have none of that stuff. Because they'd put as many people in that building as they could. And that's where I got that from. Because I'd, I'd come out one time and there's people sitting up on them steel beams up there. And I'm going, holy shit, look at that. Robert, they're hanging from the rafters. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And uh, that's where that come from. Uh, it's a point in time in our business that I wish they could get back there. But it's going to take a miracle. To get it like that, yeah. And don't and don't get me wrong. Uh, it's like WWE. I mean, when the, when the business when when the world opens back up, we're going to be doing good because the entertainment business is starving right now. People are starving for entertainment uh, to go back to do something to get to get there. And when it opens up completely, it's going to go back. But you know, you start to look at before it shut down. Uh, your big and dude, this is a billion dollar business. You know, you're in these big buildings. They only got one side opened up for you to see because the buildings wasn't packed. Uh, but you didn't need to because, you know, look at Vince. I mean, right now, 
Didn't Fox Net? I think Fox Network gave them a billion dollars, didn't they? Yeah. Yes. Them to uh, put wrestling on Fox. Yep. Oh hell! You see, and then whole different thing. It's a whole different thing from doing it yourself, uh, and then uh, having somebody else to do it for you, especially your advertisement. You know the way the way they advertise. Every time I watch, you know, I was watching a football game. You know, see, I mean, I don't. You know, before the lead up to it, and hell, every commercial was about WWE. Yeah. Be it, you know, uh, on TV, they ought to do. You know, it, it the ratings ought to be out the roof. If the ratings not popping seven, seven five, or eight, they need to fire everybody and get some something, something else going. The way I look at it. All right, now I'm back on this other uh, limb. Okay, <laughs> Ricky, when you came when you came in, and like you said. The, the Russians had had beaten everybody, you know, including Dusty and Magnum, the Road Warriors and, and that. And then you guys come right in and win the belts. Was there professional jealousy from anybody? Um, no, no, because we depended. And the reason I'm, I'm going to answer this for, me, for you right real quick. Okay. No, no, because at that time, uh, you got paid by how many asses were in the seats. Okay. When you go to buildings that are completely sold out, you go to, we, you, when you go to a building and you people walk up to you and ask you, what have we did to, and I'm, and I'm asking them why. They said, well, people have been camping out here for a week to get tickets to watch y'all wrestle. See, when you do that right there, everybody's paycheck goes up. You hear me? Yep. Yep. Okay. Now. Everybody's making a lot of money. Yeah, underneath guys in 1985, George South, say for instance, a job boy on TV, but he wasn't a job boy. He was a great worker. Back in our days, everybody were great workers. But when, you know, when, when you're like that right there and you're making a thousand dollars a week, I mean, it's like you, you, you know, you work at first, you're the vice president of, of the biggest corporate firm in the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Making money like that. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, no. And no, 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 no jealousy, buddy, because we sold out. And, and see, and, and we couldn't sell out if it didn't take everybody in the territory to do that. I, uh, here we go again. I'm going to tell you, know, it's just things that nobody even understands. Uh, when I shot my ankle with Ric Flair, we see it's four weeks on that bicycle tape that goes around that nobody has seen yet. You following me? Mm-hmm. Okay, so they got to get me over in a single matches that I'm not with Robert. Now, here we go. I'm working with uh, Dick Murdoch, for instance. So I'm working, in, and I, I don't get to talk to him in the back. You know, he knows he's got to put me over. We go and we, we tell our story in the ring. And, you know, and, and Dick Murdoch, you know, his finish was the brain buster. And when he, and back then, when somebody hit you with their finish, they beat you. You were done, yep. Unless you shot an angle and he'll come in, hit you with the steel pipe or whatever. You know, I'm just saying that. But I'm wrestling Dick Murdoch, and this really blew my mind when I'm wrestling and I'm in a single match. Uh, and he's talking to me, you know, but you can't believe some of the conversations that go on the ring when you're wrestling. 
When you're good workers, you can do that. He told me, he says, man, you just shot an angle with flair. He go, God, you're going to make us all a lot of money, Ricky. He said, I'm going to hit you with the blame, uh, I'll hit you with the brain buster. And, and then he goes and kick out a one and a half. <laughs> wow. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Same thing. And the last we went back, I did my thing in Charlotte with a, where Abdullah put me over in Charlotte like that. But right before we, I did my thing with Flair at the Midnight Express, you know, and, and Dennis, they got me, they're getting the heat on me and Dennis told me the same thing. He said, Ricky, this Flair angle is gonna sell out everywhere we go. Uh, he goes, listen, well, I want to hit you rocket launcher. You know, that was their finish. I'm going to get my rocket launcher off the top, kick out on one. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yep, 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 you, yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Now, that's the part about being business, and it takes everybody to sell everybody out. The boys, the boys, not only TV, but the boys made me what the people thought that I could beat Ric Flair. And that's the reason we had such such a great run together uh the jealousy oh no uh because one thing that the boys do about me is i stood up for them uh pay them more money the underneath the boys for the but you know and uh i remember one time dick, dick murdoch got in trouble so it, me and robert was the b team now saying the b team that was over so much we could carry the whole territory. Okay. Yep. Uh, because the A team would be in Baltimore, A team would be in New Jersey, and we'd be in smaller towns that ran every week. And uh, so he put Murdoch on our. And Dusty told him, he goes, uh, "Are you ready to come back to the A team?" He says, "Well, hell no! I make twice the money on, on the shows with the Rock and Roll Express." He said, "Hell no! I don't want to go back to y'all." <laughs> <laughs> See what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's that's the whole thing about our business. A concept that a lot of people don't even think about or not. Now, the jealousy come in when you see it in the companies like WCW, WWE, because they're pushing the guy uh, that was making a hell of a lot more than you were. Uh, you, you see, and, and they thought they had the position because they were on contract, and they came for them. So, uh, and now I don't think the contracts are nothing like they used to be. Uh, yeah, I think everything's now, you know, it's like, if, if you stop to think about this right here, you know, you have WWE. You know, WWE is just not WWE. WWE is a hundred companies in WWE. Uh, you know, everybody's got a different contract with a different company. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, some of the things mind-blowing. If you really sit down and look through some of these things, uh, uh, it's ungodly what's what's going on, and that's where you, your jealousy comes in and uh, all that. But I always stood up with the boys, and, that, and that's the reason I had no problem with nobody. Now, there's you saying you guys you guys depended on each other. It was you know how many asses you put in the seats that you know how much yeah. you got paid. Now, there's somebody that. Um, I wanted to bring up that I think this person, I don't like this person, but 
there's been the ongoing for years, the feud with you and Kevin Nash and him thinking he, in my opinion, he's done so much better because he made so much more money. I mean, is, is that the gist of it? What, what is his problem? Is there? Well, but you know, breaking into our business, you see, he, he was at the right place at the right time. I never had a contract in our business, you hear me? Never. Wow. I made a lot of promoters richer than shit. And now, here's NWA, they sell out the WCW, and then they don't, they won't, and I'm, I'm serious, this is the craziest thing in the world. I mean, you have a corporate business, they want corporate people to run it, and that's the reason they brought Jim Hurd Uh the most stupidest thing you ever thought in your life, but they didn't want nobody over the WCW that that wasn't a big corporate guy. And what's the first thing he do? He brings in a tag team, the Ding Dongs from <laughs> Bellsville. What the fuck? You know, seriously, what the fuck? What are you thinking? You know, and it's like that. But see, it got we're there, and then here comes Eric Bischoff in. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Now, do you think Eric Bischoff was the greatest thing in the world? I'm going to tell you things that's going to really blow your mind here, Fox son. Jason Herbie. Remember Jason Herbie, the, mu the yeah. movie star? Yeah, yeah, from the Wonder Years. Okay. Yeah, okay. Now, Jason Herbie rolled up a fake contract. Well, they was going to give Eric Bischoff his own TV show, that he was over that much. It wasn't even real. And he took it to him. So they gave Eric full control of WCW. Now, here you go. Uh, I never forget, I'm in the dressing room, and he has a big meeting that he just went to court and won that Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm glad for these guys. I love Scott Hall. But it, it wasn't the heat about about between men, Kevin, the thing was that they got them in there and they got control where they could sign their own contracts. Now, let's tell me, guys, these son of a... I mean, I went up there and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get a contract for $100,000 a year. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yep. And they tell me, well, no, we're not giving out contracts now. Then they signed Bret Hart to an $11 million contract the next week. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yep, yep, I do. Okay, but see, and Kevin and them, dude, my biggest year in the business is $125,000. Do you think, and it's my own fault, really, because I wasn't educated enough to know how bad it was really, really screwing us, okay? Mm -hmm. Still made a lot of money uh, at that time, you know, $2,500 a week or 2000 you know, that was a lot of money. You hear me? Yeah. Uh, but but it was different. We paid for everything. But when you sign yourself a contract, that when WCW voted, when they shut the doors, they signed a contract with with uh, Ted Turner. You see different contracts. Okay. Now, I want you to listen to this. Eric Bischoff, that's why you didn't see these people no more. 
for a long time. Eric Bischoff, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, uh, let's see, Bret Hart, the other guy, the car guy, big ball-headed guy, what's his name, wrestled there, big baby face. Goldberg? You just own it. Goldberg. Yeah. Yeah. Now, stop and listen to what I'm going to tell you here, okay? They went to the mailbox every week and got a $185,000 check for three years. Holy shit. Okay. <laughs> okay, now, is it the part that I No, It's the part that I just wanted $100,000 a year to feed my family. Matter of fact, I would have set up the damn ring. Listen, I need a job. Uh, I mean, can I be on the ring? I didn't get nothing. You understand me? Nothing. So, uh, uh, that's how it's become. You have a, such a bad taste in the board being personal because I like Kevin. You know, I do. You know, I love them guys, the boys. But it's the part that they didn't think about the boys. You hear what I'm saying to you? Yeah. Um, they, yep. they threw us away. They took care of themselves. The ones that built it. They threw us away. And that's my whole point. And, uh, you know, in hell, when you make $125,000, you because you're in the business. You know, my first wife took all that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I've been happily married a bunch of times. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, my first wife. Mom. But, no, I mean, but it is. One divorce, and that's gone. You hear me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I, uh, I do, personally. And, oh, you do, too, Chad. Yes, yeah, I do, We both too. do. Yeah, so... But I'm just, I'm just trying to say that's where the heat come in, dude. It's, it's not about that. Uh, I mean, look at Eric Bischoff now. He never took a bump in his life. I, I, I see him do a thousand things. And don't get me wrong, I don't hate Eric. You hear me? Yeah. But look, I mean, was he got a big home in Utah? What it costs twenty million fucking dollars. Uh, you know, he went to, you know, he's. Bought him a place in Connecticut where they hired him for a little while until they fired his ass. But that's how much money they got. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And and I, here I am, 64 years old, working independent shows because i got to pay the damn electric bill next month. That's <laughs> my point, okay? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Ricky, okay. Ricky, we recently spoke to Nikita Koloff as you brought him up, and we've been talking about the Russians here a little bit. And Nikita um, kind of still wants you in the ring or something like that, Chad. He he had the Koloff dynasty out there against you and Robert, and he kind of, well, let's stop pulling punches, screwed you guys over. Um and Nikita comes on the podcast and says, uh, the Russians still have an issue with the Rock and Roll Express. Do you still have an issue with the Russians? Uh, well, let's start this whole thing over. You know, I, I love <laughs> the guys in our business that try, uh, that try to, you know, walk in other people's footsteps. Uh, but, but you got to remember, the the whole time it's just like any situation, especially with the Midnight Express. You, you, oh, we're you, getting you, there you too. Had Bubba. Yeah. You're, you're not just wrestling two people; you're wrestling four or five. 
uh, Nikita in a business wise, we it's still there. <laughs> you you hear me? Yep. We beat the Russians national TV for the world heavyweight titles that they thought was a fluke. But it blew the mind off the whole world of professional wrestling. And uh you know, that's you know, talk's cheap. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, I'm 64 years old, and Akita, I still lace my boots up. You're outside talking. So uh, if there's something, we, you know, you want to do, hey, I have boots and we'll travel. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> nice. Is that better? That's odd. Yeah. Uh, I also have another one, as you know, that we are linked to OVW. Um, Chad Miller says hello. Al Snow says hello. But Chad, uh, no, excuse me. Al wants to know if you can tell the story about yourself and him in a scaffold match because there was an issue. Who, me and Al? Yeah. Well, there's an issue because I'm scared of heights. <laughs> <laughs> Do you hear me? That's what and, he said. Uh, and, and really, that's when, uh, I'm, I, you know, the best one is, is, is when I had... This is the first time this was ever done. I had Al Snow. Uh, we were in a cage match. And that's when Kimmy Kane, well, Unabomber at the time, yep. were partners. And he's the one that the first time they ever did this right here. And I got to say that's for Jimmy. You know, he come up with this. He was up under the ring. Kane was, and he moved the boards over and cut it and come up into the cage. And they had a rope, and they hung me. Oh, is this the same one you're talking about? Yeah. Al said just let you run because you'll you'll tell everything that he He's, would tell anyway. He, some kind of, what did he call Ricky? He's, well, I, I don't know if it was a cage match or the scaffold, but, but they had a rope, and he was going to hang me. It was, yeah, well, that and the scaffold And he match. really hung me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going, <laughs> I'm hanging, I'm dying. Cut me down. <laughs> you hear me? Yeah. And then, uh. Uh, you know, I told him, I said, Al, you, you literally don't got to hang me. Uh, yeah, I mean, you got me dangling from up here. They might have been off the scaffold, dude. Uh, yeah, You know what? And when you ask me about matches, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying in my career. I, I was figuring it out about a month ago, and I was going through books. And stuff. You know, I have a, I have had over 10,000 matches. That's unbelievable. In my lifetime. And I can't remember a lot of them. I remember it, but I can't remember the match. Yeah, because he tried killing you. Right, because he tried killing you. That's oh, yeah. why you remember it. No, literally. Literally. And I've told him. And, and Kane was that come out there. And, I said, and he finally picked me. I got where I could put my feet on his shoulders. And uh, um, I told him, I said, you, you, you assassinated me. <laughs> you know, Damn. I walked the plank, buddy. I'm not bullshitting you. I have a lot of great, you know, I have some memories that stick out, uh, but a lot of them I don't. You know, I watch, I go on the network here and go through, find stuff, old matches, and, and I'll be watching it, and I say, I don't even remember this damn thing. You hear me? Yeah. I don't even remember the match. I, I don't, a lot of them. I, and that's even in Louisiana. Uh, I was watching one other day that I forgot all about. We ran Jimmy Cornette's face at the cake. Uh, 
I forgot all about that stuff. And but it was really cool stuff. It was personal issues. The express against the express. Uh, great stuff. Let, let's talk about the Midnight Express uh, a little bit. Um, was your first encounter with them, was it Condry and Rose? And how is it still, you've answered it a million times on this one, but if you two, you four, you six would all get in the ring right now, it would still sell out. And it's because it's the story, right? I think it would, but if they, if they put it together right, but, but no, not really. You know, it, I work Memphis and, and in Memphis, the Midnight Express before it was, it was Randy Rhodes, Norville Austin, and oh. Dennis Condry. Okay. And, uh, that was the first really true Midnight Express. And then Randy Rhodes and Dennis was the Midnight Express there. But this is the time when, you know, our business wasn't pop like it was. And, you know, and Randy, I think he lived in Dothan, Alabama or something. I don't know. He lived Georgia or somewhere. And, and he, he took a good job, a shoot job. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Uh, and then when Cornette come in, into Memphis, you know, Cornette started off, you know, with a couple other wrestlers, you know, but then when the opportunity came to, uh, and they, and they put Dennis and Bobby together there in Memphis with Cornette with them. And then when, when the opportunity to come for Bill Dundee was the booker of Louisiana, they put them back there. But you know what? We had had a, a few, you know, I've, I've wrestled before Bobby had, a, you know, some health issues. You know, I'd still wrestle Bobby at independent shows around. And being in the small independent shows, we draw six, seven, eight hundred people. We, That's good. We actually yeah. saw you at one of those ones in 2015 in Spartansburg, South Carolina, which is going to actually switch my shift here a second, Chad. Um, somebody yelled, I love you, Ricky. And this was 2015. And it wasn't me. It was John. Our other co- no, I'm kidding. It was a, it was a, a great looking female, younger than both of us. Um, if they're still yelling you that in 2015, you guys were the Beatles, bef- you know, in '85. Do we have any stories that you won't get you in trouble with your wife or anything about I, I, how? Crazy, you, yeah, buddy, uh, crazy fans, crazy that, well, promoters. No, my wife is as crazy as I am too. Oh, good. So, but dude, no, no, you, you things that you could not even imagine. Uh, you know, especially after the shows were over, we had to have police to get us out of town because the girls would jockey for positions behind us to follow us. I don't know how they'd have a ten car pile up or thirty cow, you know, uh, stuff like that. Uh, Greensboro, North Carolina, our first time that we were ever there. Uh, now they have a big fence around it. They did. We pulled up in Robert's Trans Am. He just bought a new Trans Am. We pulled up in it, and I'm saying at least 500 girls hit the car. Oh my God! They were packing each other. They were their faces were smashed against the windows. It took an hour and a half. To get me and Robert out of the car into the building, uh, 
Robert's car looked like it had been sandblasted. It was brand new, uh, that. But to get into the other things, uh, <laughs> social media kill me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let me tell you, anything that you ever fantasize once in your life, I've done it twice. <laughs> now, if I tell you one story, okay, and I don't tell many stories because half the time that people don't believe you, but if I do tell you one story, and if you catch me when I'm not on social media and I tell you some stories, but I never did nothing bad. Understand me. I never was with an underage woman. Right. Uh, as always, made sure. Uh, and I never did nothing against nobody's will. You hear me? Yep. Right. Uh, but when I tell you one story, that was just one night out of 38 years. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. That was just one night. Uh, I, got, I mean, I had some great times. So I think business. I think one of the funniest things I've ever heard Ricky told about that time period was Jim Cornette doing your Hall of Fame induction speech, and he said that Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson had more sex going down to the ring than I had in my lifetime. (laughs) I got you. Uh, You know what? Back in our day, you had a lot of heel fans, too. You know, the guys. And, uh, And later on, when we got older, you know, I seen them and there's, you know, they still come to wrestling and, uh, you know, it's just different. And, and I'm at the ring and one of them said something to me and I looked at him and I told him, I said, dude, I've been with more different girls today than you've been in your life. <laughs> and then I seen him 30 years later. He said, that's stuck in my mind because I had to think, I said, damn, he probably has. <laughs> and, uh, but, but don't get me wrong. It was just, you know, dude, we, we were rock stars. It's literally, we were. Uh, but I had fun. But remember this, I never did nothing wrong to hurt anybody. Okay. Right. I mean, I wasn't like, it was just what happened that time in that era. <laughs> uh, never underage girls, never, uh, hits nobody's wheel. And if I knew they were married, I didn't have nothing to do with them. You hear me? Yep, right. No, I'm serious. If you were married, I had nothing to do with you. But if I knew it, okay. Right. Most the time they didn't tell you or they lied to you. You hear me? Yep. (laughs) Kind of switching gear a little bit back to uh, guys that you wrestled with in events. Um, The Magnum TA accident. I would probably be safe in assuming kind of really affected everybody in the locker room and storylines. What What do you remember? What well, can that, you well, tell? That's the whole thing, uh, and I'm glad you said that because I'm going to answer this so that you finish. Uh, that's the reason I did the angle with Ric Flair. You know, I was tag team with Ric but see, when you see, they were grooming Magnum. To wrestle play. Those Groom and Magnum would be the world champion. Not you do you know that? Yeah. Yes. Yep. And uh yeah, so Groom and him would be the world champion and all of a sudden he has a car wreck. Whatever thing that they were building on T V it had to uh 
you know, it, it, it's gone. And see, being at the right place at the right time, uh, I think Robert had something, a family emergency. He had to go home for a day. Uh, and uh, I'm on a show, and I wrestled in a single match, and Flair was in the back watching. And then uh, you see, and, uh, and that's he was in the back watching, and he told he told us, he said, "Man, think of how about if I do an angle with him? He's our, he's here. Look at the girls, I love him. You know, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, right. It was an angle." It was an angle that took the place of that without dropping everything on TV. It went right into it and it, and it didn't miss a lick. And that, and see, that's what I was talking about, being at the right place at the right time. These younger guys here on the independent circuit, you know, you, you got to go out and get this job. It don't come to you, but you have to be at the right place at the right time. And then when they ha- asked you what to do, it's not, you don't say, huh? Do you get what I'm saying? Yep. All right, we want you to do this. Huh? Well, huh, don't get it. All right, we want you to do this. Yes, sir. And it's being prepared and knowing what to do. And what they ask you to do, you do it without any question. That was it. Okay? That was a, uh, the situation with, with me and Flair. Yeah. But it was great. It, 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 I know it was Magnum, but I was a baby face that was over like a son of a gun. And it, and, it, and it fit right in there. Don't, don't get me wrong. I don't know. Nobody knows what the future would hold if Magnum didn't have a car wreck. See, that's something that you can't go back and fix. And and you really, you know, you don't know. Yeah. You know, it's like in my life, people ask me before, if, I, if you could go back and change something, what would you change your life? But see, you can't change nothing. Because if you change one second and you're in there, I wouldn't have my children. I wouldn't have my grandchildren. If right. You change right. one second. Do you see what I'm saying? I agree. Right? So that's, that's, you can't live on what if, you know, you can't do that. Uh, this is, you know, everything has a reason. Everything has a meaning. And that was it. Now, Ricky, with you speaking of uh, the Ric Flair, uh, program in that tell us about the um you winning the title but turning it down what was this what is the story behind that well guys you you really gotta understand here uh i was at a part of the time in the business that when you get too powerful, okay, in the territory, and 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 that was there. Now, Rick. Now, first of all, I want to start this whole conversation off. You know, people ask you about the greatest workers in the world, but see, it, it's Rick. It's, it's not that. Rick was just the world's greatest heavyweight champion of all time. And and the reason why, and I get back with you here in a minute, what you asked me, and the reason why is Rick gave his all. If you paid to see Rick Flair, he gave you your money's worth. That was every night. You never seen Rick. That's the reason you never hardly seen Rick work on TV. 
unless he's working the job guy, because if you paid to see your money to Rick, either you went an hour time limit or the match went 58, 59 minutes. Right. He gave you all that right there. Now, I got into the opportunity to this, and, you know, and I even heard uh, the guy we was talking about earlier on his podcast. They asked him about it. He said it wasn't true. He said this right here. But I, I just want everybody to understand this one person. He has worked for every wrestling company in the world, and he's been fired from every wrestling company in the world. I still love him. Don't get me wrong. You know who I'm talking about right now. Well, the rest of the world don't figure it out. It's their problem. Uh, when I was on the airplane, you know, it was me, Dusty Crockett. We had a private jet, and you had the big plane. But I was on the private jet because me and Flair, that plane relieved because me and Flair every night, we was an hour of our time on it. Well, hell, half the territory is gone home before we even got out of the ring. They're on the airplane headed home. Uh, yeah, they talked to me about it. But the one thing is, if I, I won the world belt, they wanted to split me and Robert up. Uh, no. Now, you've seen this happen with Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels, but this is way before then. Way before. Do, do you understand? Yeah, right. Robert was my wrestling partner. If I would have happened, it would have killed him in his business. Uh, it it would have killed him. You you hear me? Yep. And uh, and and I wasn't going to do that. We went through it several times. Now, uh, beat Rick not just one time, a bunch of times. I mean, not because hell, we wrestled every day for three months. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I beat him for the belt. I give it back to him, and I just told him no. I didn't didn't want it because. I want you to know that on that airplane was business between us. Nobody, this is behind closed doors and nobody else done it. Now, if it, now, if, and I heard him say, if he did, well, he's stupid. He shouldn't have did that really. Now me, I have beliefs in myself. Uh, I have rights and wrongs that I do, but I was not ever, no matter what it did, I was not going to throw the Rock and Roll Express away. See, it's a lot of things like that that people don't know and people never understood. Uh, that's even with me joining the York Foundation and turning heel. People goes, how could you turn heel? And this is uh, one of the fewer times I ever said this, and I don't know if you heard this enough. The reason I joined... That because when I started my angle, that was when Magnum T.A. got hurt. Now, the, at the other time, when I joined New York, that's when Robert got his knee hurt. Yep. And he was out for six or seven months. Do you hear me? I'm lost yep. in the shuffle. Yep. Okay. No, no partner. Yeah. The York Foundation. And what they asked me to do was to be, team up with Brad Armstrong and become the new Rock and Roll Express, and I told him no. Wouldn't do that either. Okay? Thank you for... I, I love Brad Armstrong, but thank you for not having a new Rock and Roll Express. <laughs> no. I, and I told him no. That's the reason I turned heel. 
and I worked with the York Foundation until Robert come back. And if you watch it, when Robert came back, I wrestled him at Mortal Kombat, I think, or something like that in Washington, D.C., uh, or in Baltimore. It might have been in Baltimore. I don't know, but me and Robert finished up and met him with the Smoky Mountain Runs. Working for the guy I was just talking about, but I love him. It's a lot of things he don't know. Okay. A lot of things some people are not right about, but they want you to know that they know everything there is to be known. Me, when I wake up every morning, I don't have to worry about who I might meet out today because it's, you're going to get hurt and that's going to happen to somebody. I, I know you got if you know that or not. Uh, you got to know when to hold them and when to when to fold them. But and uh, that's uh, you know I hadn't never talked about that much. Uh, but no, I was not gonna be a new Rock and Roll Express, and I wasn't become the world champion for them to turn for Robert Gibson not to have a job. Okay. Yeah. Ricky, Thank you. That's that. That was great. That's behind the scenes. That's really great stuff. I love that. Go ahead, Ricky. What has you and Robert, aka Hoot, to his friends? Um, you guys have been together for. It's got to be forty years. Thir- I was going to say forty yeah, years. Thirty-nine years, I think. Maybe. I mean, uh, how do you how do you do that? There's how what is made it so you guys stayed together for so long? Because after all those years, and and I'm telling you guys, if you come to see us perform, the people, it's still there. It is. You know, and and right now I'm trying to, you know, and I'm, we're backing off a little bit. We still do things. I'm trying to get my son in this bed. He's going to be great. But I won't let him go nowhere right now because one thing that I didn't have was an education. He got a four-year scholarship to college and he's going to finish that before he does anything. Uh, but Robert and I, uh, it's still there. Robert and I, you know, and Robert became part of my family over all these years. You know, I was with him more than my wife and I don't even like her. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're just together and, and don't get me wrong we're like if you're with us all the boys tell you this we're, we're just like that old married couple now you know bickering and fighting and arguing <laughs> you know but at the end of the day we stuck beside each other and uh, it, it's just after all these years and, and believe it, it nowadays truly your, your wrestling fans are the older wrestling fans yeah, you know, like I was telling you earlier, you don't have no turnover no more. Of uh, yeah, and and if they are, they're seven, eight year old kids that are watching wrestling these days, and that's what's wrong with our business. Do you hear me? Yep. That's the reason Robert and I do great. It's because the majority of our wrestling fans now are the ones that was then. It's yeah, because they're not making new wrestling fans, and that's what's horrible about our business. Uh, sorry to say that, but that's the way I feel anyway. Well, Billy was trying, Billy Corgan was trying to do that as well with the new revamped NWA. Um, you guys were a huge part of it. 
you guys were going to go to the Crockett Cup that got canceled that we were going to sit in the second row at, and that kind of pissed us off. Um, <laughs> yeah. But tell us, yeah. tell us the experience working with that NWA, and can, are they coming back? Uh, you know, I, I know every other federation, Indy and everything, is kind of back a little bit, but they're kill, they're still kind of silent. Do you know anything? Well, buddy, uh, yeah, they're still kind of silent because, you know, the NWA is built on the ONWA with a feminine Atlanta. You don't want to change it. Atlanta's completely shut down for any kind of stuff like that, even their filming and, and, and all of that. Basically, I believe they will come back. I was glad to be a part of it, but still, it's still NWA 35 years later. Yep. Or however long, maybe more than that, you know, but 35 years later, uh, was put into an opportunity because you see, even though when they put the world belts back on us, I didn't want to do it, but listen to me. I understood what they were doing. Okay. Right. Uh, and I'm serious. Uh, I wasn't there to win the titles because I wanted to be a hero. Oh, I hear, I hear Ricky Morton is 63 years old and he's the world champion. No, I understood what they were doing and what they were trying to build. And that's what people don't understand in your haters that come on there. You know, I wrestled Dick Ellis there on TV for the world heavyweight title. There's a lot of other guys, but I understood what they were doing. And a lot of people don't do that. And, and you know what? Nick had one comeback. He did. I ever heard in my life. They asked him, what'd you wrestle Ricky Morton for? So he got hunger. He goes, listen, if you played music, wouldn't you like to go on stage with Mick Jagger? <laughs> and the guy looked at him real funny. He said, I never thought about it like that. He said, yeah, I did. I, I could say in my lifetime later on in my career that I wrestled Ricky Morton. Isn't that cool? That is that uh, awesome. Yeah, I want to say I'm in the same room as you, yeah. I'll say the one thing about your last NWA tag title win. The only thing, Ricky, that I I was blown away by, and it was sacrilegious to me, was having Cornette jump into the ring and celebrate with you guys. I was like, what? Well, well, listen to me, buddy. This is caught in the moment, Okay. Now, I'm going to tell you something here, because that was, you know, I understood what they're doing, and I think that was Jimmy's idea. Uh, the match and the, the crowd and Cornette is, and, you know, and still being in our wrestling business, you still get caught up into something. How you tell a story, how the finish is going to come off. Yeah. And it was, I think it was a lot of Jimmy's idea. You hear me? Yeah. But when it we pulled it off, it was it was great. It was magic. I mean, and Jimmy, you know, Jimmy wasn't supposed to hit the ring. He just got caught up in the mo- in the moment because what he did it come true right before his eyes. And went, holy shit, this is over. <laughs> I mean, that's what he come in the ring for. God, that was great. You hear what I'm saying? Oh, we, I, uh, I absolutely loved it. I just, I, he, he was caught up in the moment and 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 watch it. Even though the mats were in entertainment business, but the feelings were real. It was like, holy shit, you know, 
that something else is lost from our business here. Yeah. That's, it was there, the emotions, the thing, you know, and, and me, I'm 63 years old and I'm blowed up, but you, but I gotta hand this and I'm gonna say this. This is what our business is lacking. Uh, wild card, Thomas. Thomas Vladimir, is that how you say his name? Vladimir, yep. Uh, yes. Never been in a ring with him before. Now, I want you to listen to what I'm saying to you. And this is what makes it great because it don't get out. I didn't know five minutes before the match that we was going to win the world titles. You hear me? Yeah. We come up with a finish that quick. But when I got in the ring, and, and this is what, see, in our business, what makes good good workers, eight people that do good hot spots. Good workers is going to the ring, telling the story, uh, and you can work with everybody. See, a good baby face can change his style. See, I have to work Bobby Eaton different than I did Abdullah the Butcher. You see what I'm saying? Right. It don't, you, know, you don't hit Abdullah with a tackle. You don't do <laughs> different. And a lot of guys don't understand that. But when I got in the ring with Thomas, and uh, I'm not here to impress anybody. Sometimes it's the other person that makes you look like you're 23 years old. You hear me? Mm-hmm. Uh, I locked up with Thomas. I took him over in the headlock and I gave him, I don't know if you guys know what the office is. If you don't, I will one day, I'll tell you that. It's a secret in our business. I did it to and he stood me up on my seat and he brought me up with him. He didn't make me look like I was 63 years old. You hear what I'm saying? Uh-huh. He didn't take me from one end of the ring to the other end of the ring. He shot me off in the middle of the ring. Little things like that right there that didn't make me look like I was 63 years old. And guys, this is what I'm trying to tell everybody out there that's listening to me. That's what makes great, outstanding, phenomenal workers, people like him. Yeah. And, uh, and if you're out there listening to me, guys, come, please come and see me at my school of Morton or, or come because I want to show you things that you never even thought about being in our business that the guys that are training today are not capable of teaching you because they don't know. They don't know that. They were in a different era, too. Uh, this is the greatest business in the world when you have people to understand it. And I don't, you know, Thomas is from Ireland, I guess. I believe so, yeah. He's he a hell of a worker. He's a hell of a worker. And I'm not kidding you, dude. I mean, he... He and, you know, and it takes a lot to impress me in a match. Uh, you know, most of the time I tell the guys, hey, will you watch my match? Well, if you want to impress me, uh, eat apple and shit a fruit salad. That would impress me. Other than that, nothing else is going to. Because whatever you're doing, I've seen it all. And you was talking about high spots earlier. Here I'm jumping to another limb. Guys, go back and watch Chavo and Hector Guerrero. In the uh, early 80s and 85, everything that you see the guys did on TV, they did it then. They were ungodly believable. You know, I just, I've seen, you know, you've seen the dive off the top of the cage. Hell, Chavo Guerrero used to do a gainer off the top yeah. of the cage and, and land on. This is early 80s. 
79. I mean, you could not, him and Hector, Armando, Guerrero, that blow your mind back then. Yeah. And I, you know, and so go watch it. But to get away, I went, I'm, I'm talking about that, us winning the titles. It's not all about me. You hear me? Yep. It's about the boys and, and his partner, Roy. Really good. I mean, Roy was the same way. Him and Tom, that's the reason they have a good, good little tag team. They have good chemistry together because both of them know. And, and I, and I imagine Roy had Thomas has showed him a few things that it's not about doing big moves or getting, it's, it's about working. And that's a lost art. Uh, Thomas has that. So that's what that that's what made the whole match. I I us on NWA tag team. I'll say this, Ricky, before yeah. Mark gets to his question. My mom, God rest her soul, was huge rock and roll express fan from you know day one, uh-huh. and I know it's kind of hard for me to talk about it, but I know even then when you guys won the title. I know she was uh-huh. smiling. Absolutely, I know she yeah. was smiling up in heaven. Oh, buddy. Well, thank you, man. But, uh, but it's it's not the part about us becoming world champions again. It's the part about understanding where they were going. And I still don't. See, that's my business. I, I still don't talk about it. You know, I still gave fame at the shows. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> right. And, and, it, and I do. Uh Greatest business in the world. I love this business, guys. And we want I love to- it when you have somebody that when I get in the ring with that I can trust. I met a guy a couple of weeks ago uh, up in Philly doing uh name was Ricky Champagne, Sam John Page. Uh, this guy's got it going on. He's got a hell of a future of him because do you know who I'm talking about? I, I don't that name. I've heard. ECW. Oh, okay. Their heavyweight champion. Yeah. Now, now we know. Yep. Yes. Dude, this boy's special. And it's not, when he worked with me, it's not the things that he did. It's the things that he didn't do. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's only a few in our business that is like this. And he's one of them. Uh, believe me, the, the GCW ought to be proud to have him. But and because if he ever got a chance, uh, he'd have a contract with a big company. He's he's that good, and I know that. All right, guys. All right. So you've brought up uh, your school of Morton. Um, a couple times now. That's where we want to give you your platform now. Um, tell everybody uh, about it, what you're doing. Your son's there. Uh, we can watch some stuff. I, I want to give you the, the whole forum now for a little bit of, of the School of Martin because it's great. It, it really is. But I do have one question before you do that. Do you yeah. think it is good for young independent wrestlers to go out and, and this is a pump for myself too, to search for podcasts to learn interviews as we throw questions at them 
instead of having everything scripted for them. You damn right. Uh, everything that they could do to be talking, they need to start doing it now. Uh, you know, this is the greatest, uh, you know, talking. I wasn't the greatest talking in the talker in the world, but see, my talking was from the heart. Uh, yes, yeah, sometimes I got loud, baby, but it's a different time, a different place. Your greatest talking, you know, talking is 90% of our business now. Uh, if you, if you know, you, you, mostly your top guys that are working, you hardly see them wrestle. All they do is talk. Yeah. Uh, because they can, you can do that. See, talking's what gets you to come through that door. Talking's what gets you to do that. Any opportunity to be able to talk, do that. Now, to get back to my school of Morton, I have a wrestling school. And it's, uh, a lot of people might not agree with it. It's called School of Morton. Every Sunday at 5.05, I have a live YouTube show on the School of Morton. Sometimes it might not be what satisfies everybody in the world. But a lot of times I have guys on there that don't know, that don't have the experience a lot of people does. But it's their opportunity. It's their time. My school's not only about wrestling. I have kids there, which don't even like it. It's about teaching them how to make good decisions in life. Uh, talking about how crucial your education is. And, and a lot of times we do this. You know, I, here in school, I check report cards. And if it's not good, I have people at my school. A lot of them have great educations. Sit down with them and, and, and work with them. It's, it's a lot more than that. It's a lot more. It's... Uh, Learning how to deal with people, learning how to deal with our people, but it's telling a story. I have the Amish group on there that ha I have a that they have an egg that wrestles, <laughs> that is undefeated. But but you see, it's not about what am I doing? What what are you doing this for? Because I want you to sit. I want you to come to my school, the one that's saying bad, and let me see you have a match with an egg. Because you damn sure can't. <laughs> they can't. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Here? Yeah. Wholeheartedly. Have a match with the visible man. You hear me? And do better than a lot of these guys do. The ones, see, but, and this is where I'm getting going all the way back again. You don't understand our business. That's why you're like that. I do a lot of things there. Have a lot of good stuff. A lot of independent people that come to my school. And listen to me, everybody out there. A lot of people watch my TV. A lot of promoters watch my TV. A lot of big names in our business watch our TV. Right place and right time in our business. Who knows? Uh, and I take people that, that some of them, look like anything else in the wrestler, but I make them that because I make their dreams come true. Uh, some In our school of Martin's a special place. I don't care who you are. Don't care what you do. When you walk through the door of the school of Morton, we're all the same. And that's the reason my school is successful. That's the reason that it's still there. 
that's the reason every week is 60 or 70 people in that door because it's their special place to come. It's our special place to come because we all live the same dreams. That's what my school's about, but. You know, uh, I think given back the way you are like that, it's not what makes it special, what makes it great, however you want to spin it, is is you're not out to to get money from somebody and, you know, train them, throw them out there before they're ready. You're there to learn. And then, no, no, buddy. I, no, no, I don't do that. And and let me tell you, since the pandemic's come on, uh, our school, I mean, it goes in a hole all the time because where my thing is, is, you know, I'll run a show there every week, have crowds. Uh, it's not about that, dude. I just yeah. don't take you $20. Right. Uh, right. Come in or 300 I just don't take that and run you out that door. Uh, no. No, no, that's that's not what my school is about. Uh, it's if you, ha- if you ever have a chance to come, this and, and Kane come there not long ago because he's the the mayor of Knoxville, and about an hour outside of Knoxville. And he told me, he said, "Man, this is like the field of dreams." That's what he talking about. He said, "Out in the middle of nowhere, it's nothing here but a building, and it's I guess you build it, they come because." It's a special place. You know, it's not downtown somewhere. It's not there. You have to travel to go see. I have to travel every week. You guys, 40 miles from here. And I'm talking about back in the country, but uh, it's the greatest place in the world. Uh, any more questions? I'm just saying I was, I, I was thinking, you know, my biggest dream was, uh, you know, I'd like to just be in the ring one time with somebody as as good as you i was thinking you know man al snow would be a good one to do but after he tried to hang you yeah he's done i think <laughs> i think i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna tra- i'm gonna travel to hey, tennessee I'm, I'm telling you. I, and again too I, I i wanted to tell you uh that my son carrie morton uh guys you know he's raising a business he's real good uh, even though he's in college, he won't be at school in Morton tomorrow because, buddy, he's booked more than I am. Okay, uh, Fridays, uh, Friday nights, Saturday nights, and Sundays. Uh, he's he's really good. Uh, I think, in, you know, when he gets his education done, that you know he's had opportunities to be a couple of places, but I, I, I just I don't want to force him on nobody. Because our business is, and guys, I keep sticking this to you and that it's been at the right place at the right time. Right place and right time occurred. Uh, and that's for a lot of guys out here in our business, the ones that I talked about earlier. Yep. Your time will come. My son is great. Uh, you know, it's, I grew up in the wrestling business. Uh, the first time I went to, to wrestle for a big company at that time, it was Memphis. Uh, I had my first match and Jerry Jarrett told me you start, start on TV this coming Saturday. And it ain't because of that. It's because I knew what I was doing. You, you hear what I'm saying? Right. And you got to be ready for that. Ricky, uh, this has been amazing. Thank you for spending some time with us today on Can Crushers. We had a blast going down memory lane, getting inside your head 
and knowing more about the School of Morton, because, guys, if you don't know that it's on YouTube, you're living under a rock. You should start watching it on Sunday nights. Yeah, yeah and if you're on the independent circuit, come and see me, buddy, because I'll give you the opportunity to be on TV. I give you the opportunity for a hell of a lot more people to see you perform, and it will help you out in the long run. Guys, I want to tell you, it's an absolute pleasure being on your show today. This is who I am, and this is what I do. You don't get no phony here, buddy. Uh, love my business. Love the fans. Can't wait till this pandemic's over or the whole world can open back up and we get back to what we're doing. We miss it so bad, and I'm at the age right now that every day counts. God bless you all. Have a great day. Chad, that's a dream come true. I checked that off my bucket list. An hour and 45 minutes spent bullshitting on wrestling today and yesteryear with Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express. There's, there's no better than to sit down with somebody absolutely amazing caliber. Yeah. And we got invited to the School of Morton. I, I took it as an invite, so we're going to the Well, it, it is. I was sitting there and thinking, and he mentioned it like three times. You know, like I told him, I'd just like to get in the ring once. If I get my ass kicked, I get, you know, whatever. You I don't care. Ass kicked, where I'll get my home. ass kicked. But I'd be in and, you know, like, we, like I said in closing, i got to say it again, you know, I thought... I'd want to do this with Al Snow, but then hearing what Al Snow freaking did to Ricky Morton, I think I'll travel to, might travel to Ricky Morton's school. We can hit both of them, nonetheless. <laughs> um, 38 years in the business, close to 39. We might as well just round up to 40 at this point. And <coughs> we touched on six months. If you're looking at the time frame of like what we talked about too, I mean, six months. This guy's got so many stories, but... The, he did say it right. He's wrestled over ten thousand matches. He can't. You can't remember them. You can't yeah, unless unless something huge happened in him, like you know, being hung by Al Snow. Like being hung by Al Snow. Um, their debut match and winning the NWA tag title. His last match in WCW. Um, Thomas Latimer. They love him and Isaacs. Yeah, that he he paid tribute to those that he felt, you know, are doing the business right that he can say personally. He didn't go by hearsay or somebody else's opinion. What he said, everything he said was personal, hands-on experience. Yeah. Um and coming from somebody who been in the business as long as he has and then you know something that i researched and i told you beforehand 64 different championships 80 percent of those being tag team of course right over 37 different organizations that's unbelievable every major organization that really that there is in wrestling from when he broke in to now. He's held a title in. 
Unbelievable. This uh, during the interview, Chad, as Ricky was talking, and you were you're staring at the microphone, and I'm just staring at the picture of them that was on the studio wall, just thinking. Man, look at how young they are there. They're, it's just amazing. We saw them 35 years ago in St. Mary's. We saw them WrestleCade. We saw them at the Crockett Cup before WrestleCade. We've seen them on AEW. We've seen them on AEW, and they're my favorites. I, I, I love the Macho Man. I love Owen. I love all, you know, all the indie stars. There's something about the Rock and Roll Express, and he touched on it, that they just have it and they've got everybody. 38 years they've been a tag team. Um, they've had their ups and downs, just like he said, just like an old married couple. But 38 years they've been together. They're, you know, his family is Gibson's family. Gibson's family is his family. And we didn't um, get to talk about Boot that much on the show because... He just—it was just like we were here. You start him on—you start him on one or two things, yeah, and he would go yep. 10, 15, 20 minutes, and some, and we'd just agree, let him know that we were still here and alive, and he and he'd just go. That's a great interview. I am, I am, I am bubbling right now. But all interviews this good must come to an end. So Chad, just remember. Just because you're trash doesn't mean you cannot do great things. It's called a trash can, not a trash cannot. <laughs>